I thought you guys would be a little bit more excited about little MC Hammer in church. So many, like, you don't know if it's a safe MC Hammer zone, right? You're like, I don't, I don't know if I want to admit. Some of you, you don't care at all. I don't know. I'm not going to spend any more time in the MC Hammer thing. I just, I don't know. I, I really thought that, that was going to grab you. I don't know. It's nobody. Not one. I tell you what. If, no, yeah, okay. If someone, yeah, he's like, just move on. If someone comes out later in the lobby, he's like, man, that was so great. I was like, where were you when we played it in there? I thought that was fun. Um, you do. You've got to pray just to make it today. I, I know some of you right now, you're thinking, I know what you're doing, Johnny. We're starting a prayer series because today is the kickoff for the NFL season and your team needs it. They do. My team does need it, but that's not why. We're, we're doing it because there's something about this this avenue of prayer, this vehicle that God has given us of prayer, it is central to our faith. Man, I, and not, all, not everyone does it the way Jesus taught. And uh, th- this is a really big deal. I, I think in our culture, uh, we all are shaped at times by things that we've seen or other people's prayers. And we, we kind of get what it is. But I, I'm going to throw this out there because I don't think I can do a series on prayer without specifically talking about uh, a guy named Ricky Bobby. Some of, you, some of you are like, I don't know if you should even do this, man. I don't know. Okay, if, if, if you don't know who Ricky Bobby is, he's a pretty good NASCAR driver, Okay. And uh, they made a movie about him. And while I do not endorse everything in this movie, here's the deal. It is a part of our social conversation about what prayer is and how to do it. And there's some things that Ricky Bobby got right. There's some things he got very wrong, okay? There's a quote, and I just think I need to, to put you in the moment. There's a scene in the movie where a prayer happens at a dinner table. And here's what Ricky Bobby prays. Dear Lord, baby Jesus... We thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's KFC and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger or TR. Come on, it's, it's, it is still really funny to me in so many ways. But I love that his wife interrupts him. It's so appropriate. She's like, she's like stop this. It's weird that you refer to Jesus as baby Jesus. He's all grown up. And I'm like, thank you, Mrs. Ricky Bobby. Okay? Because it's true. He's no, he was a baby at one time, but that's, it's just weird. He's not. He is our glorious Savior, champion of the world. He has defeated death. And to call him baby Jesus, it's a little condescending, I think. Ricky Bobby just says, I like that version of Jesus. I like Christmas baby Jesus. And some of us, I think that movie and that section, I think it preaches because we do that, right? We get our own version of Jesus in our head and we pray to that version of Jesus because we hope that version of Jesus will make us feel how we want to feel or give us what we want. And so he says, no, I just like that version. And she strikes, she gets, Mrs. Ricky Bobby gets right to it. She's like, okay, whatever. Just ask him for what we want. Ask him, ask Jesus to help us win races. And I love Ricky Bobby's response. He finishes his prayer by thanking Jesus for all of the races that Jesus has already helped him win, which was a lot because he's a really good race driver, driver, okay? These things shape what we think about connecting to the Father. The Our Father. Maybe you've, maybe you've called it the, 
the, the paterno stare. It's this, the Lord's Prayer. There's two versions in the Gospels of this prayer. Matthew's version's a little bit longer. It's got a lot of detail. I believe that Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer happens early in his ministry. The other, the other version of the Lord's Prayer is in the book of Luke. Matthew's version comes in the Sermon on the Mount. This is early in the ministry of Christ up in the Sea of Galilee where Jesus is calling thousands of people at a time and he's going through a lot of things about how to connect to the Father. And he says, hey everybody, this is how you pray. It actually comes after a list of things not to do while you pray. One of those was don't do it for everyone to say, man, you're, you're really good at praying, but go to a quiet place where you can really connect just with the Father. And Jesus gives this instruction in Matthew on how to pray. Luke's version is a little different. See, Luke's version comes maybe as little as a year or a little bit farther into the ministry that Jesus had. And the 12 apostles, they've been walking with Jesus and they've seen Jesus escape in prayer from time to time. 25 specific times recorded in the text, the apostles or one of the eyewitnesses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John will say, Jesus was praying in this moment. And what they sense is they sense power in the prayer, the prayer life that Jesus has with the Father. And they come, at that time, they come to Jesus and they say, teach us how to do what you're doing. We want to pray the way you pray. Teach us how to pray, Jesus. I mean, a lot of us, you know, you come to church on Sunday morning and we've got this series like pray and you're like, well, I wonder if the pastor is for it or against it. I don't know. I'm wondering. We're for it, okay? You, 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 you know, we're for prayer. But there's something about the way that Jesus is praying that drives these, these young men to come to him and say, we gotta know what you're doing. We've got to figure this out. We've got to know how. There's 650 prayer requests in the word of God. There are 450 answers to prayer requests recorded in the Bible. That's not a ratio of how much Jesus will answer your prayer. It just goes to show you that there's something about the vehicle of prayer to connect to God for us. Teach us how to pray. Luke 11, 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to connect to the Father in this way that you do. See, for these young men in the Jewish faith, their understanding of the whole way that God's trying to have a relationship with them, it's, it's not complete. I mean, God's got this desire to connect with us on, in a deep way. That was broken in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned. This relationship of God coming and walking with Adam in the garden, connectivity is broken. We call that a great fall. It's the fall of man. From Adam all the way to the birth of Christ, there's a season of time. It is an age. And in that age, the Jews... God's people, that he had made them a nation and he had allowed them to become a powerful nation. And from that nation, Jesus would come. But in that season, they really had a concentration on God the Father. The Father 
is what they grew up knowing about. Matter of fact, the, the Old Testament really is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is really the revelation or the Old Testament revealed to us. And so Jesus shows up and he says, this whole Old Testament, it's all about me and my Father's love to connect to you. And these guys are seeing that and they're like, we want to connect to the Father. They did not fully understand at that time that Jesus was the Father. They were one. We worship one God, the three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And these guys come and say, teach us how to pray. And Jesus explains to them for three years, everything in the Old Testament is really about me. Matter of fact, Luke 24, 27, Jesus says, I'm explaining to you that the whole entirety of Scripture is about me. Jesus laid the cornerstone at creation. Jesus lived a perfect life like Adam couldn't. Jesus receives a tithe from Melchizedek or as Melchizedek from Abraham. If you know that story, this, this, this theophany, this Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus wrestles Jacob. Jesus is the commander of the Lord's army and appears to Joshua. Jesus is the king that David couldn't be. Jesus stands in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus' death is foretold in Isaiah. Jesus' coming return is foretold in Daniel. Jesus is saying to them, I want to I explain to you who I am and how you can connect. I want to teach you to pray. So he begins in Matthew 6, verse 9. You might know it well. Maybe you've never heard it at all. He says this, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The first instruction and the order of which the instructions come is Jesus says, here's how you need to pray. Super important. we got to pray to the Father in heaven. Jesus says, pray to the Father in heaven. All throughout the entire Old Testament, the patriarchs, there is not one recorded time where a patriarch tries to pray to some other deity. It's only the Father in heaven that, that Jesus would call us to pray to. Some of us, have a difficult time praying to a loving father because we've not experienced one on this earth. And really, we've got, we've got bitterness or issues, and maybe even anger. And you can't imagine a father in heaven that's a good father because you've not experienced one on earth. Get this. God will heal that. God the Father will fix that. Some of us are simply afraid. And we feel like we're not good enough to do that. And Jesus, in his instructions to us, very clear, he says this, pray to the Father in heaven. His entire work on earth was to reconnect us to a good, good Father. And so as we begin our prayers, we should pray to the Father in heaven. I mean, there's a, there's a familiarity about that that is beautiful. Sometimes I'm with people, I had one friend, and she would pray and she would be like, Daddy God. And I, at first I'm like, man, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know about that, right? I don't, I don't know about the whole Daddy God thing. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? You know how Jesus prayed to God the Father? He called him Abba. 
There's, there's not a, a more tender word in the, the Arabic language than the, to call out Abba, Father. It's this close, close father relationship, super familiar, where you can go to the Father and you have permission, and Jesus modeled it, where you can just say, Dad. We, I, I've got this picture I want to show you uh, of, of a, a version of Jesus. We talked about versions of Jesus. Uh, this is like a dashboard bobblehead uh, version of Jesus with two thumbs up. The bobblehead Jesus. Uh, buddy, buddy. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but one of our staff, Jason Rates, our executive pastor, he's got a tick that will drive him insane. If you call Jason buddy, he will lose his mind. I mean, you think, oh, he's a really nice guy, really nice guy. Call him buddy. See what happens. I don't know who called him buddy in some condescending way, right? But at some point in his life as a little kid, one guy called him buddy too many times. And he's, he's really nice. He's really kind. He seems disarming. Call him buddy. He will lose his mind, right? He's, he won't. And I try to hold these two things as we approach Father God. Jesus says, you know, have this familiarity. Have this closeness. Have this boldness to go to your father and just say, Father. I mean, that's a special relationship. I hold two things in, in each, one thing in each hand. One, we can go to him and simply call him Father and have this closeness and familiarity. And on the other hand, I understand that he, Moses, when he approached God, God said, take your sandals off and understand where you're at. This is holy ground. He is all God and all powerful. And when we barge into that room of the Holy of Holies, you know, this incredible place where angels can't even go, right? Angels are like, what do you think you're doing busting in there? He's our dad. He's our dad. And he is also a holy God that's described as a consuming fire. Jesus says, pray to your father in heaven. Think also, we need to pray in the name of Jesus. There, there are some similarities in the two accounts, Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer and Luke's. And there's also some inconsistencies. I, I think the similarities show that Jesus preached a consistent gospel everywhere he went. And I think the things that are different, there's some extra details in Matthew, show that these two moments where Jesus was saying, hey, everybody, here's how you pray. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how you pray. Those inconsistencies speak to the authenticity of how that was a very real moment that Matthew recorded and how that was a very real moment that Luke recorded. And in that, I believe that Jesus in his whole life and all of his teaching is being crystal clear about one thing. Our access to being able to bust into dad's room, bust into the Holy Holies, our access is the name of Jesus. And we should pray in the name of Jesus. John 14, 8, Jesus says, Jesus is answering someone. Jesus says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. You ever play Password as a kid? We'd build forts. Me and my brother Jimmy, my other brother Jimmy. Long story, two brothers named Jimmy. But here's the deal. We would play fort. And when you build a fort, there's just three of us. We'd always have to have a password. I don't know if we saw it on the movies or something, but when you came to the fort, you would have to know the password. So we would work on the fort, and then I would go outside to get some more sticks, and I would come back to the door, and I'd be like, hey, let me in. And my brother Jimmy would be like, we got to know the password. I'm like, bro, there's only three of us out here in the woods. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's, it's Johnny. He's like, hey, Jimmy, he doesn't know the password. And then Jimmy would say, got to say the password. 
I would forget the password because they were always changing the password, right? I'm like, guys, this is dumb. There's just three of us. I'm telling you, if you did not figure out what that password is, you would not go in that fort. Jimmy and Jimmy would not let me in the fort until I went through Broncos. Broncos win. Broncos Sunday. Orange Crush. I mean, John Elway. I had to go through all the names that we could make the password. Hey, church family, I want to make this very clear. Jesus is the password. Jesus is the name. And there is something about that name. And I love the fact that, that there is something about that name. And all of scripture points to it. Matter of fact, in Luke 10, 17, some people come back and they run into Jesus's presence and they say, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Acts 4, 12, the beginning of the church says this, there is salvation in no one else. There was no other name under heaven given by which men must be saved. Romans 10, 13, this book that Paul writes to the church in Rome says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 describes some of you here today. It says this, such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's something about that name. Revelation says at the very mention of the name of Jesus, every single knee will bow. That means people who believe, people who don't believe, people who like Jesus, people who hate Jesus. At the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. And I hear people praying. I see people praying sometimes. I'm like, oh. They're religious. I hear them say the name of Jesus and they invoke the password to get access to the Father because Jesus himself said that's access. And I feel the, I feel the rafters start to shake a little bit in Applebee's. I'm like, just got intense in here. I'll be praying our families together, praying for stuff. I mean, Father God, you know, insert the stuff we pray for real quiet, you know, private stuff, not... In Jesus' name, because I want everyone to know. I tell you what, Jesus has got a lot of names. He's got the name of hope. Imagine being at a public school assembly. I would like to talk to you students today about the person of hope. Everyone's like, this is going to be a good convocation. How about life? Jesus says, I am the life. That's a good name Jesus has. Go to a public place, maybe your place of work. Start your little speech on Monday morning. Get the troops rallied. Hey, everybody, I would like to talk to you about life today. Everyone's like, oh, this is going to be a good, it's going to be a good week. A little pump-up talk from the boss. Great. You roll up into any of those situations and say, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And everyone's like, whoa, what are you doing? You can't come in here with that name. Because here's what happens in spiritual principalities. The mention of the name of Jesus sends shockwaves because there's something about that name. Master, Savior. Jesus, like the dew after a fresh rain. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there is something about that name. It's access. You got to know the password, church. And this is a little bit of a soapbox. And I, I tell you what, I don't think that you need to be legalistic about it. Like, hey, you didn't say the name Jesus. I don't know if he heard that prayer. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying, as I read the scriptures, you know what I think I would do? I think I would say the name because you know what we do? We baptize in the name. 
the name matters. We pray to the Father in heaven. We pray in the name of Jesus. And the very next thing that Jesus tells us to do, very specific, there's an order. There's an order. Pray praises. Pray praises. Pray in the name of the Father. All right, pray to the Father. Pray in the name of Jesus. But do this, church. Pray praises. Because the order starts to posture our hearts. It starts to get our minds in the right framework. It starts to get us set up for the things that we need to bring before the Father. We've got to pray praises. It says in verse 9, the way Jesus rolls out this prayer, the very next section of Scripture says, hallowed be your name. It's It's not a word we use all the time, right? I, I, I read many times from the New English Version. It's, it's a translation I like. We put NIV, the New International Version, on the screens. All these are, they are translations from the original Koine Greek so that it, it hits us in a way that God intends you to get it. God has miraculously preserved his word, and that word is spreading. We're about 30, you know, we're about 35 years, they say, from, for every single people group in the world having God in their own tongue, their own heart language. And God has done this miraculously, so you get it. But this word hallowed, it's one of the words that they've not changed from like the New King James Version. Because we don't walk around, hey, would thou getteth me a cup of coffee? <laughs> I mean, I, I would probably get coffee faster for someone if they said it that way, because it sounds more important, right? But this word, they didn't change it. They left it, hallowed be thy name. This is not Halloween. It's like, get candy in the name of, no. Hallowed, it means set apart, holy consecrated, special, different than everything else. Special is your name. Perfect is your name. Holy, holy, holy is your name. We've got a saying about our times together as we gather as a church. Because there's a few things we do. We fellowship, we worship, and we read from the word together. These elements make up our time together. And we say this about our worship time, our praise time. We say that our hear, our ear, needs to hear our mouth proclaim the goodness of the Lord. Sometimes it's good to hear someone that can sing it really well, declare it, and we're like, man, it sounds beautiful, it's great, and I love hearing you declare what's true about my God. Thank you for blessing me. But I'll tell you what, Jesus is putting us into a place that's very specific. I believe Jesus is saying, your ear needs to hear your mouth confess that God is good. That he is awesome. And you know what? Have you ever done that? Have you ever like had a moment where you say, I'm going to, I'm going to think of all the, all the good reasons I should praise my God today. I lived with Grandma Patsy for a year when I was uh, a middle schooler. No, when I was a grumpy middle schooler. Let's get that right. I was a grumpy middle schooler. And Grandma Patsy, when I was grumping about something, she would go, Count your blessings, name them one by one. <laughs> Count, some of you are pointing at people, right? You got, we have the same grandma, right? Count your blessings, see what God has done. She'd pause right there. Because the pause, it was, it was a given that we were expected to join in and finish the song, regardless of how grumpy we were. And she would pause right there because it's the most joyful part of the song. Count your blessings. And she would hold on count. Count. She's like, this song will not end. 
She will pass out from lack of oxygen, waiting on you to join her in counting the blessings. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Fine. I'm happy. And she would, it was her way of saying, man, if you get started, if you'll get started in your connection to Jesus time, your connection to the Father time, and you will follow this pattern of praying to the Father and praying in the name of Jesus and using that password as spiritual access to a good Father, and you will then erupt into this moment where you're like, I'm going to count my blessings. Thank you, God, for this sunrise. Thank you, God, for the way the heavens declare your glory. Thank you for the way the clouds look like you could come back today and everything I'm worried about, I won't be worried about anymore because I'll be with you forever. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for the broken people around me that I get to love. Thank you for the things that you're doing that you've not even showed me yet. It starts to posture your heart. It starts to get you in a place where you're really ready to abide in the Lord. Abide is what James, the brother of Jesus, describes in living life in communication with God. Don't just call him on the phone. Live with him. Praying to the Father in the name of Jesus and praying his praises. It's powerful. We got to pray his kingdom. I think it gets harder as Jesus says, oh, you want to pray like I pray? Really? That's what you want? Okay. It's going to get harder and harder. And this, I tell you, it gets harder here. See, when we pray, his kingdom come. His kingdom is many times different than my kingdom or your kingdom or our kingdom that we're trying to build because we're all trying to build something. And Jesus says, Pray that my Father's kingdom would come. I mean, this is really, the whole gospel is in this prayer. What Jesus gave us as a prayer was the gospel, the good news. We're praying the reality, the spiritual reality of a kingdom in heaven where God is on a throne and amazing beings surround him and they are worshiping him day and night and all kinds of elders surround the throne and they've got crowns and they lay their crowns down and they bow on their knees before him and the angels stand there with their armies ready to come back with Jesus and all of this is happening. Jesus says this, pray that the reality of that power and that kingdom would come here right now. Now, that doesn't just mean that God would come back today and all your problems would be gone because you're in heaven forever. It's better than that. What it, what it means is that wherever you go, if you've been obedient to the water grave, baptism, and you've confessed Jesus as your Lord, and you've given your life to Jesus, his Holy Spirit lives in you. That means you're carrying around kingdomness. God's kingdom is in you and you're walking around and you're going to work. And here's what Jesus is saying. I pray that the kingdom of God and the spiritual reality and the power of my kingdom would come to your place of work. You say, well, man, Johnny, you don't understand. I work in my, my, my debauchery. Heathens, man. You've seen the office 10 times worse. Creed's got nothing on everyone I work with. It's a rough group of people, man. You have no idea. Here's what Jesus says. Perfect. 
You are the plan for the kingdom of God to invade that place. You're like, it's dark there. It's dark there. Jesus says, you know what a little bit of light does in a dark room? It shines like a city on a hill and it cannot be hidden. Shine. May the kingdom of God come. You know what maturity is? It's praying that God, would your kingdom come and invade all the places I go? What immaturity is, is when we pray, God, I've got an agenda and I want you to build my kingdom. And Jesus postures our heart by praying his kingdom. We pray to the Father in heaven in the name of Jesus. We pray his praises. We pray his kingdom come. And here's how this, I'm, we're going to end today with this. This is it. We're going to split it up. The last part of this section says, I pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think it takes time to get to this place where you're ready to say this. Whatever your will is, let it happen here. I surrender to it. I just submit to it. This is, this is the struggle. Some people say, I'm not going to pray. You don't want to pray because you don't like the answers you're getting. Because you're like, it wasn't my will. I wanted this to happen and I asked you to change it. You didn't do it and now I'm, I'm hanging up the phone. I'm not talking to you anymore. Sean, blocked you on Facebook, God. We're done. Really, I would say the entirety of the scriptures is God trying to say, I want you to know my will. Like, I don't want you to wonder, like, what am I supposed to do? What do you want, God? What do you want? Jesus says, I pray that your will would be done. We say, well, what's your will, God? What's your will? He tells us. He tells us. Psalm 119.05, your word is a lamp for my feet. It lights my path. I'm going to show you my will here. So you'll know, like, what you're praying. Exodus 14.14 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need to only be still. And your prayer time is you're coming to God and you're saying, I know you're fighting for me. Now I'm trying to be still. Oh, help me be still because I want to fight too. And God's like, it's my fight. You be still. That's his will for some of you. First Timothy 2, very clear language. Listen to this. Well, what's the will of God? Very clear language. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Do you see what's happening here, man? We all say, do you wish that you had a really good prayer life and you just felt, you just felt like you connected to God and he heard you and you knew him and he knew you. Who doesn't want that? Well, when you come to him, my friends, when you come to him, you gotta know what he cares about. You ever talk to a friend that only cares about one thing and that's all they'll talk about, right? Let me tell you what God cares about. That all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge, to know the truth. Are you praying about the things that God's like, that's what I want you to focus on. Jesus is saying, get in with what God cares about. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I think Jesus was so excited when these guys came and said, teach us how to have this connection to the Father you have. It's so sweet, Jesus. We want it so bad. And Jesus says, okay, it's a process. You gotta go in order to get your heart ready. Because you're barging into this holy of holies. And we've got access because who Jesus is. This week, this has been a, this week has been, it's been rough. 
We leading up to the 20th anniversary of 9-11, I very intentionally this week, I just wanted to spend some time remembering that week. And I've watched, maybe like some of you, if you've been on social media or you've watched any news at all, maybe just talking with some people around, you've you've kind of remembered that day 20 years ago. I know some of you weren't even alive then, but I'm gonna tell you, it was a pretty serious day. Our nation went to its knees in prayer, like immediately. We had no idea that that night we would have church for like the next four nights in a row. And Sunday was an incredible outpouring. People that had no plan to come and connect to Jesus on that Sunday. They had other plans. Everyone's plans changed immediately. As I've, I've watched different documentaries this week and just remembered that season, I think I was most impacted by the story of Flight 93. See, the plane was flying low to the ground so they could use kind of the topography of the land and landmarks to know where to go. And they had turned around. And at that time, because they were so low to the ground, cell phones worked. So people on the plane were able to call, make phone calls. And they're they're recorded. I read the transcripts this week of some of those calls. The one that hit me the most was a young man named Todd. Todd got a phone call out and you just saw what was going on on that plane seat. As they called people, they found out that two planes had already hit the north and south tower of the World Trade Center and the Pentagon had gotten hit. And they felt the plane turn around and they're flying really low. And the hostage, you know, they were hostages at that point because the, the plane had been taken over and one of the people claimed to have a bomb. And so they've got an idea that this airplane is going to go somewhere and it could really destroy a lot of lives. And so Todd had decided that they were going to do something about it. Todd Beamer got with four other folks and they got on a phone call and they had a plan. They were going to charge the they're going to charge the one person that was claiming to have a bomb and just take over them. And then one of the flight attendants had boiled some water as a weapon. And they were going to try to get into the cockpit and use the boiled water to take over the plane. This was their plan. And Todd's on the phone and Todd says to the lady on the phone, hey, this is what we're going to do. And she says, is there anything else that we can do for you right now before you do this? And he says, yeah, we got to pray. No doubt. I, I don't know how close Todd was. I don't know what his communication, I don't know what his, his plan of connecting God was. I don't know how much he was, I don't know. But in that moment, Todd's like, we're going to pray the Our Father. He prayed this. Word for word, all the people are huddled up in a row and that lady on the phone and he gets to the end and he says, God help me. Jesus, be with me. And he looks at his three buddies and he says, let's roll. They took that plane down in a field in Pennsylvania and saved who knows how many lives. Courageous act of self-sacrifice and courage. And I know when Todd got on that airplane today, he didn't probably know those other folks. He was just like us, just going about life. Critical moments are going to come in your life when you're going to want to connect. Church, Jesus says, live a life connecting to the Father through me. We've got to pray to the Father. We've got to pray in the name of Jesus. We have got to pray his praises. We've got to pray his kingdom come. We have got to pray his will. And if we start to do that, our prayer life will explode. We've got to pray in the morning. We've got to pray before we go to bed, says the book of Psalms.
We've got to pray before meals like Jesus did. It's not trite. It gives us a, rather, a regular like circadence of the day to just pray and thank him for the food he gives us. We've got to pray that we could finish this race of life like the Apostle Paul did. We've got to pray for broken marriages. We need to pray for families that are trying to have a baby and they just can't. Church, we need to pray for people who are heartbroken and sorry. We've got to pray Thanksgiving. We've got to pray to celebrate. We've got to pray in boldness. We've got to pray in surrender. We've got to pray to overcome sin. We need to pray for a new appetite for holiness. Some of us need to have an honest prayer where we say, help me want to pray, because I don't want to. We've got to pray to grow closer to God. We've got to pray to escape sin. Some of us need to start praying for our spouses. We need to pray for our children, our grandchildren, the people that will marry our children. We need to pray for our nation. Would you pray for this church? Would you pray for people around you to reach? Would you pray for an outpouring of the Spirit of God on our community? Church, would you pray for our local civil servants? How about this? Would you pray for the person you didn't vote for? Would you pray for the person you don't like? Will you pray for our schools? Can we pray for repentance? Can we pray for those who are in prison and those who are lonely? Can we pray for the orphans? Can we pray for the widow? Can we pray for the mean people on the highway? Could we pray for mean people on Facebook? Can we pray for everyone? Could we pray in an increasing, growing matter? Could we pray to worship? Will we pray for the day to come where we will stand before Jesus in glory and worship him forever and ever. Can we pray for others? Can we pray for the quick coming of Jesus? Church, we've got to pray just to make it today. Come on, let's pray with praises.